advise you to get off the streets as quickly as possible. It'll soon be a war up there. And we are, as a people, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths. I know for a fact. And to secret proceedings. Weapons of mass destruction. I have a dream. I take the threat very seriously. A new world order. Your government thanks you for your participation. You are now listening to the world-famous Sofa King Podcast. Please, read from sheets. I am... I am Sofa King. Sofa King. Now repeat all very fast, please. I am Sofa King. Faster. I am Sofa King. No, not so fast. Loses meaning. I am Sofa King. You say funny things. You tired, Dave? No, I'm good. I'm getting you look tired. I haven't had good sleep lately. Story of my life. Me neither. I'll survive. I think you need some refreshing kale chips. I've got some here. Do you? I do, indeed. <laughs> you don't I seem give... you don't seem too interested in them. I am. Why is the air still on? Sounds a bit loud and annoying. Dave did that. I did that. Yeah. So who who are the uh, kale chips from? Underscore little underscore Tom underscore. That's a mm-hmm. lot of underscores. From Instagram or Instagram, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I'm assuming his name's Tom. Yeah, he he felt bad because everybody was sending us beef jerky and meat products. Yes, um, for the podcast, which only me and Brent will eat, and Dave has to watch and discuss as we eat his brothers and sisters. <laughs> um, so he he's a a chef, I guess, or, or some sort of culinary mm-hmm. expert, maybe. Uh, sent some kale chips, which I will not touch. They smell fucking gross. John, <laughs> Tom, whatever the fuck your name is. Um, I'm about Tom. to eat one. He made them with the uh, with the green El Yucateco. Oh, I didn't see it, that. Yeah. I told you that upstairs. Oh. Still no, I thought you said we were going to put El Yucateco on them. No, no, no. no. He used El Yucateco to make it. Yeah, yeah. that still doesn't quirks me. Go, Dave. Quirks you? Is that coerce with Brad's version? Silence, Dave. Choose. He slowly chews the bite. He's gone in. Out to the raging storm. Waiting for the results. It's spicy. And it's spicy. It's a spicy one. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it 30 seconds. If you don't fall over dead like Princess Bride, I'll totally try it. Uh, <laughs> I need you to say I can clearly not choose the kale chip in front of me and then laugh until you fall over silent and dead. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Not that you're dead, but it no, would be I'm a great dead. quote. It was Fake good. Dead. I like it. Hand it over. Well, there's three bags good. of them. There's three bags of them, ironically. Like he they're thought spicy. I was going to eat one. They're, they're spicy. That's not making me. It won't be spicy to, to. No. Unless it's the jalapeno. If it's jalapeno. Then it's gonna be spicy. Just eat the it. First bite is gonna, gonna eat the it, first bite go. is gonna be just kale. And then once you chew on it, all the flavors show up. It looks very seaweedy. Mm-hmm. So the first bite is just kale, but then you chew on it, <laughs> then it's gonna get salty, and then it's gonna get spicy. <laughs> well, first problem is fucking like you're eating a leaf, man. It is. It's kale. It is. Yeah, but it's a like leaf. a dried ass leaf that's from exa- the yard. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's a dried it's dehydrated leaf. kale. It is a dried leaf. So it's that's salty. A, it's not I'm gonna say Texture, I'm not a fan. Flavor, exactly. it was that's fucking it. delicious. Okay, yeah. well, that's great. Yeah. I can say that it's good, and I'm a texture person. <laughs> I'm a texture person. Like, 
Yeah, the leaf thing, but maybe I, I, eat I never rice, had a kale chip. I eat rice plain, be, not because of any flavor, because but it might I not like be dehydrated enough for something. Like, I think it's it should, it should no, it's, it was crunchy. It's dehydrated. He it's dehydrated enough. I think he just put too much oil in it. I had to chew it apart because the o- the oil doesn't go anywhere. It was well, like he's chopping on paper. It wouldn't yeah. come apart. And he's, right. he, he it's said, spicy as shit, though. There must be something else other than just green yucateco. I don't think so. It's pretty spicy. It's very spicy. Mm. Depends on how much I'm you impressed. put in there. Well, the green is, is it the habanero one or the, yeah, green the top jalapeno? Yeah. Well, oh, I don't know. Yeah, see, there you go. Might have got you again. Oh, it might be the jalapeno. I'm going to, I'm going to publicly announce that I'm, I'm, I, thank you, Tom. And thank you to anyone that makes us jam and stuff, but un like non-commercially produced open homemade stuff. I'm going to slowly back away right here. I'm making my public <laughs> announcement. I will not be trying future things because I'm starting to get a little worried about people's Scratching, scratching their ass and making me kale chips or mm. putting their balls on whatever. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> if you've got us, Tom, you've got it's us. Because if, if he might post a picture on Instagram, like so fucking funny with his balls all over some kale, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. next week we're like, fucking got me a day. Brad's like, <laughs> guess who's going to laugh? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm going to have a fucking yeah. day. So it's the whole like you're made, put the picture up I, with I, a toothbrush I don't in your ass yeah, kind of thing. I, I can't I'm not do doing it. that anymore. Or I'm LSD or rice and poison. Right. I don't know what the fuck. Well, if he got you with some LSD or some mushroom juice. It's gonna like be we're a gonna have show. a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Give us about That's twenty fun. minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck! Can you imagine? I got <laughs> like, little, you guys are like going off the rocker, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with half you? of me has anxiety, and the other half's like, well, fuck! I've been trying to get LSD forever, and I can't find it. Nor could I come up with like a, a time that would be safe yeah. for me to try it. And uh, if I just had no choice right now, yeah, the then you definitely from this point forward don't need to eat anything. Because now homemade. I, I now, you've, now you've announced that you want LSD, and, and we have had people offer to send us drugs through the us mail and that's we've said no so thank you thank <laughs> yeah. you for the offers but i do think tom little that the flavor of that was really good fyi and i did the same thing when i started making kale chips there's too much oil um which is easy to do because the oil doesn't go anywhere it saturates as it gets, back into the chip, yeah as yeah. it gets dry but it's good i will definitely eat them and it's definitely if you're if you're someone who listens who makes kale chips um definitely put el yucateco on it because it really holds that flavor yeah it, it was very prominent very prominent very delicious good. i just don't it's like the kale doesn't have a flavor no so there you go well it's got a nasty flavor (laughs) (laughs) i mean it does i'm not a huge kale fan like kale is all about being healthy and all about what i do to mask the flavor of kale you just feel like an iguana when you eat it though i'm not a a, i don't eat kale salads on it but i do i do make kale chips i've had it in the salad and you don't i mean yeah yeah it's no it's it's fine yeah i'm not a huge kale but i do drink kale shakes but i Hide. You, you don't, don't taste. You don't taste the kale at all. You don't taste you do kale that. at all. Mm. Yeah. I put like ninety percent kale and spinach in the blender, and you throw in like a fucking banana and some carrot juice, and you can't. And all, I, I, you, I like yeah. spinach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it looks I'm like you murdered Kermit the Frog and tastes like peaches. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't even put peaches in there. It's, that's it's, right. It's, weird. That's a mystery. Kind of strange. <laughs> Who's all peaches? Right? <laughs> it's an Instagram person. It's peaches underscore seventy two. Peaches underscore peaches. I'm looking that up while you guys talk. There's a bunch probably of probably a real person. Yeah. Peaches yeah. underscore 72. You just got a shout you out. Just you just win. Yeah, you just want some stickers. Yeah. Can we send you some stickers? They're like, what the fuck for? And apparently you taste like a kale shake. Yeah. Just for the, for the record. You look like a murdered Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and I sound like one apparently. Just apparently, people, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So peaches underscore 72 right. is... How is there multiple people? Oh, that's two underscores. Yeah. And, and 72 peaches. underscores. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a dead account. It's like one uh, follower. Uh, we got to get it. We but the runner up is, uh, is peaches underscore underscore 72. Ooh, ooh. Right? Who's that? I'm going to follow this person. I'll send him a message. <laughs> 
Beaches, congratulations. You've won our Instagram prize, prize for the day. You've won a Yucateco hat. That's awesome. <laughs> Not really, though. we got to no. give that someone appreciates it. So um, today's topic is one that, again, um, I'd like to give a shout out to the person who recommended this topic. But this is a topic that like a dozen people have recommended to me yeah. once we started talking about different cults. And the idea is to talk about uh, Jim Jones and Jonestown. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jim Jones was a rapper. He is a rapper. Yeah. There is a rapper named Jim I know. Jones. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this Jim Jones might've rapped. He was kind of down. He, he was, was. kind of down for the cause. He, he might've been a rapper. That uh, his, uh, of his congregation, they said they didn't even consider him white. Right. He was, he had a very black, uh, evangelistic like approach about his uh, style of ministry. Right. For sure. Absolutely. And over like 68% of the congregation was um, African American. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was not, he was, he was, uh, white guy um so jim and for those of you who don't know a whole lot if you've ever heard the the term which i'm sure you have oh that guy's really drinking the kool-aid which of course we use to mean you're like believing whatever this person says wholeheartedly speaking of i I have a prize for you oh no here and i had hidden down here oh yes i forgot about those great (laughs) kool-aid you can't have like fago on the fucking juggalo and not have not have grape kool-aid i would like to say though brought us grape kool-aid jammers i do know that it wasn't actually kool-aid it's a common misconception it was a grape flavor aid it was flavor aid which is which is the the shitty shitty. i could only find that (laughs) shit like in that time frame in like dry packs on fucking uh, eBay. Yeah, I've never seen Flavor Aid in California. I don't. Know. Oh, they have yeah. it. Do they have yeah, it? Yeah, they have yeah. It. That's what we drank when I was young because we couldn't yeah. afford the Kool Aid. Yeah, Flavor Aid. Yeah, it was never as good, okay. but it did the job. But yeah, so the the ultimately the cult was killed by drinking poisoned uh, purple Flavor Aid. So we're gonna drink some. Brad's not gonna do it because he's on diet. I'm drinking this right now. I have a flavored Red Bull. Well, I'll sip. We'll see who I'll drinks the Kool Aid. They've drank the Kool Aid. Mm. I, I put cyanide. Some flashbacks in. right now from your childhood. Oof. No? Oh, man. <laughs> this man just put down soggy oil or kale chips and he's drinking like sweet grape Kool-Aid from his childhood and, and Is that like gasping? Fake sweet? No, probably not. Artificially flavored drink. Well, well yeah, because it's another it word. Like, it's not real. It tastes grape. like fake sugar. D- anyway. Dave, if you thought Kool-Aid was uh naturally flavored, you're wrong. <laughs> well, it, t- it tastes like a diet soda. It's got like it's, an it's aspartame like a, flavor. Oh, it is like a pixie stick with some water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I have uh, I just drank the Kool Aid. Yep. So I'm the only one. And ate. It's only a matter of time. (laughs) Poison kale chips. (laughs) You thought it was going to be the kale chips. It was the Kool Aid. I'm not sure why I drank the Kool Aid coming from cult leader Brent over here. I'm not sure. Did that look untampered? Did it look like that seal was? (laughs) And then and then then Brad just refuses to drink it. Right. Uh, Right. (laughs) No, I'm good. Y'all, do these always have scotch tape over the hole? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this leaking out the bottom? Why is there a syringe hole down here? Why does it smell weird. like almonds? <laughs> um, so Jim Jones, uh, this was one, and again, I knew there was a cult. I knew they drank poisoned Kool-Aid and died. Fla- Flavor-Aid, it turns out to be. I knew they drank poisoned, po- poisoned drink and died. Um and I knew there was a guy named Jim Jones, and I really didn't know much else. I didn't right. know the story of Jim Jones because at the I beginning, he's just this fucking totally legit dude. Yeah. Like, I was very surprised, um, seemingly on the surface anyway, he seemed like a genuine concerned reverend that was trying to help people. 
Um, unlike most of the cult leaders we ran into, he he didn't seem like from day one to be like some complete wackadoo. Well, In the beginning, people I, likened I, him to like Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. I, I, dis- I disagree. Do you? Uh, yeah, when he was a kid, they said he was very odd. So he grew up in, was it Lynn, uh, Indiana? Yes. And uh, very poor. His dad was a drunk. His mom basically worked to support the family. Um, and he was, they said as a kid, he was very fascinated with death and performing funerals. So like he would go over to people's houses and they would be playing. So instead of playing doctor or house or whatever you're playing as a kid, he wants to perform a funeral on the kids. Right. No, I, I definitely agree. When I read his childhood, I was, he's just ticking all the boxes yeah. of cult leader. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were, he, he came up during the great depression yeah. and they lived in a shack with no plumbing yeah. or electricity. Um, his dad, uh, James Thurman Jones was an abusive drunk and a member of the KKK. Yeah. So like I was waiting for this like weird racist view yeah. to show up, but it was kind of the exact the the opposite. opposite. He yeah. actually took the opposite yeah. because he felt like a social social outcast and during the time the political movement of like you know not integrating whites and blacks like the segregation thing made him have empathy for for African Americans at the time and he he did pull the serial killer thing too which ticks another box when when he was young he literally stabbed a cat with a knife and then performed the funeral service for the cat right we can't have a funeral for a live cat that's true yeah so you gotta kill the cat yeah um so tick another box did you read what his mom said which ticks another box that she thought she'd given birth to the messiah yes yeah i thought that was weird i wonder if she uh, told him that a lot when he was (laughs) i think she probably did but no when she gave birth she thought she was giving birth to the messiah that'll give you a complex that'll and he had one yep so that that ticked another maybe he thought he could resurrect the cat and then he's like damn it yeah, but he was. Everyone said he was a really weird kid. He'd rather uh, stay at home and study the Bible than go out and play with the other kids. Once he was a little bit older, he was fascinated with like the readings, the, the writings of Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx, Mao Zedong, uh, Gandhi, and Hitler. He would just like read their stuff mm-hmm. over and over because he was like fascinated by them. So um, obviously, he was learning, you know, at the feet of the masters of public manipulation. Yeah. You know, right, right from the and get-go. He, he grew up in a shack, too, with no yeah. plumbing, so yeah, he, he was Dave in the Wacken that. Hut. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did grow up in a Wacken Hut. That was leading to Wacken Hut, right? Yeah. He, did. he didn't even yeah. have, yeah. He didn't even he didn't have a side Wacken, Wacken Hut. Yeah. All, he whacked in the just, hut with his mom. Right. All, Dave just yeah. said Wacken Hut. All Wacken that happened happened in the in the hut. In the hut. Mm-hmm. That was also a Wacken Hut. It was also an eating hut and a sleeping hut. It's gross. It wasn't just a Wacken Hut. Yeah. And then he had a church probably Wacken Hutted in there at the church. He probably did. Yeah. So strange kid, etc. Um, again, he ticks another box because he's fairly smart. Um, he graduates high school a year early, skips a grade, graduates with honors. Um, so again, most of the cult leaders end up being a, a pretty smart guy. He goes and gets a a degree in post-secondary education in 1961. We so should really like, make a database of all the kids that graduate early. It's a small yeah, number. Like it is. Yeah. That's a sortable <laughs> statistic that we could start to try to evaluate. Like it yeah. seems to be happening. Yeah. That tends to be like all the people we talk about who are either geniuses, serial killers, or cult leaders are all people who graduate they early. They take a little yeah. psychological test. Do you like animals? How do you feel about yeah. dead cats? Like, and yeah. then how was it. your childhood yeah. growing up? Do you yeah. like science? Yeah. Then we put them on death row, harvest the organs. <laughs> 
<laughs> it all makes sense. Cycle their blood. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, there was even, I read a quote from a, a girl named Phyllis Wilmore who dated him in high school. And she said that they did a pep rally before a basketball game when he was in high school. And she said, quote, Jimmy decided to stage an elaborate funeral for the other school. He got up and started preaching and did an incredible job. He had the control and inflection. It was like the real thing, but was all intended to be a joke. He was very self-assured on stage. He had that coal black hair and piercing eyes that would look right through you. So even like in high school, they were like, hey, let's have a pep rally. What should we do? Funeral. I a funeral, funeral for the other team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. we are gathered <laughs> yeah. here today to mourn the loss. So, what it is is you find the kids that graduate early. The social outcast, nerdy ones are the serial killers. The charismatic, you know, con artist ones are the cult leaders. Yep. So that's it's we've, we're already developing. Well, like, no, but there's also the the nerdy ones who end up becoming geniuses who create nuclear bombs and become that too. Dr. Yeah. Death. So, the, but they get separate. One. The charismatic ones that are very outspoken and, yeah. and social, not social piranha. You take those and those are the cult leaders for sure so there's your beginnings of your fbi profile did it you probably say social pariah. pariah social pariah you said pariah. social you did say i did I, i'm gonna tell you something <laughs> about my brain i file things alphabetically i find it happen all the time weird words or there's that thing that happens with mcdonald's and disneyland have i talked about that before no when i want to say disneyland i fucking say mcdonald's it happens Anytime, like I have to try to really hard not to say it. And I think it's something nostalgic from when I was little. Like I filed away like fun things. Like I liked McDonald's and Disneyland when I was really little. And I learned those words in my brain, put it in the file. And every time I try to be like, yeah, when you say to, like, McDonald's, it's the same thing. Like McDonald's and Disneyland. Yeah. When I come, I try to say, oh yeah, well, I remember when I was little, I went to, and I'm supposed to say Disneyland. I'll be like, when I went to McDonald's and I'll move on. And I'm like, did I just fucking say McDonald's? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you said McDonald's. I was like, I meant Disneyland. That's fucking weird. You would think that wouldn't come up that often, like Disneyland discussions. But that is fairly weird. It does, yeah. yeah. It creeps its way in. <laughs> How often do you have Disneyland discussions? Apparently often enough that, <laughs> that I it's notice a thing. it. Yeah. 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 So uh Jim Jones, again, as a kid. He ticks every box for being a serial killer or a cult leader. Um, as you're reading it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be nothing but crazy cult leader guy for the next, you know, X number of years. But then, like, his sort of pre-cult era is a fairly legitimate, like, he was a big player on, like, a on the public stage, right? I mean, he sided with African-American causes um, because he felt that he was an outcast. And at the time, this is like, you know, pre-civil rights, et cetera. And uh, he wanted to do this. He was very, very involved in the Communist Party. He believed in Marxism and communism. Um, he thought that was the only way to, to go. Um, he became a student pastor at a place called Somerset Southside Methodist Church. But he had to quit the congregation because he was trying to bring black members into the church and the church wouldn't allow allow him to. So he had to basically quit because he was trying to, right. he was all about integration. He wanted to integrate black and white culture at a time where that was not a popular sentiment. And this is something that he was really striving towards and did good things right. like towards that's kind of the weirdness of yeah, that was Jones. a game in reform for sure. Like if like he even told his dad, he didn't talk to his dad for years because he tried to bring home a black kid or something. And they said, no, same thing with the church, quit the church. It was like no discussion about that. If you don't accept the integration of, of African, Americans, he's just fucking not having it. Right. He's moving on. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was, a, he was big on that. And even in, in uh, the 1960s, 
and this is all in, in Indiana, the mayor of Indianapolis, Charles Boswell, appointed him to be the director of the city's human rights commission. And I mean, so again, this is the very beginning of his religious life. And this is also the begin the beginning of his public life. And he's just like this massive figure right away. He's like the mayor appoints him to yeah. councils. Well, he's very charismatic mm-hmm. and he probably tells them everything they want to hear and probably gives them advice. That's good advice. And you, they go to church and everybody's right. really, really into this whole thing. It's their pastor. He kind of has power over people. Yeah, absolutely. Being a pastor, you, you kind of influence people in a certain way. And yeah. Pr- prior to the Human Rights Commission, he uh, witnessed a, a faith healing uh, yeah. thing. He yeah. saw a guy do it, and he was like, wow, look how powerful that is, and he saw it as a tool. Yeah. Um, and so he organized like large religious things, and he had that guy be the guest um, speaker, and then he followed that guy to try to get in on the coattails yeah. and start And what he that. did was learn how to fake healings. <laughs> yeah, he, right, so right. He, he did, did that, that early yeah. on, and that, that the he followed a guy named Reverend uh, William N. Branham, who was like a huge faith healer and religious author, like at the time, like this was way early. So there weren't really televangelists on TV, yeah, but they had but the tents. So these people yeah. at this time no. were going around and this tents, was a big tent revival. City. Yeah. yeah. And this, this guy was huge crazy. Yeah. And Jim Jones saw the power that he had over that crowd. He saw how much money they made. He saw right. how much influence yeah. that this guy had over the, the congregation, how he could convince them of anything. It, it was never about, uh, I, I'm convinced after, you know, dealing with this whole story that it was never about religion. Because he he you know ended up throwing religion out the window right and be, and he became everybody's god and he says several like a, a lot of people that I actually he didn't say it but a lot of people that I read said that they thought that the entire religious angle that he was taking was a way for him to try to get Marxism and communism sort of snuck in under the back door mm-hmm. you know he was trying to to get people to agree with Marxist and socialist yeah. ideas which would have meant equality for different races it would have meant a certain amount of stuff but it, it his was what ideas he believed were, in yeah. yeah and and a lot of people think that using a church was the best way for him yeah, to yeah because you have one those who's the ruler of the church right the head pastor the head pastor yeah. yeah so i mean that that right there is a communist system in itself with like a person at the top and everything you want you, know. you want to get married you got to go talk to the pastor right, and have a little conversation right. you know and and uh, the pastor tells you you know that you should be tithing and the pastor tells you what you should right. and shouldn't be doing so it's more like it's going to go down it's like know? a communist dictatorship it it's is. like a like a communist government not true communism it is right? yeah. yeah there was an interview with his wife that she admittedly said that he saw religion as uh, like something there was a quote about an opiate um, that would uh, get them hooked and then they could yeah. get them into communism. That it was ultimately, he had never cared about the religion so much. It was ultimately a stepping stone. It was an ends to a means uh, to get to, to communism. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was, that was somewhere that I was trying to dig through my and, notes. And, and, he, and I believe he got there you yeah. know, towards the end. You oh, know, with, absolutely. With his, with his group. I yeah, mean, when he, he did, finally yeah. Fun, when he finally forms Jonestown, he, yeah. he absolutely does. But so in this whole era, right, he's, he spends tons of time. He's meeting with the NAACP and the Urban League. He spends tons of time as a as a political advocate and he starts to help to integrate black populations. And again, this is in 1960, 1961, where segregation is everywhere. And he starts to get churches, restaurants, um, theaters, amusement parks and even a hospital to start integrating blacks into into regular life's uh, life. He starts setting up stings where he'll send black members of his congregation into restaurants. That's 
to see if they get denied service. And then he would pounce and prove that, that they were illegally keeping people from eating there, you know? Um, and he even, he started writing letters to leaders of the local Nazi party and getting them to like reply back with all this racist shit. And then he leaked the response response and put them on blast (laughs) in the media to like get him in trouble. Like, I mean, he was like this crazy advocate, like fighter. Well, that Charles Boswell guy, after they appointed him the human, the leader of the human rights thing, they were like, uh, like calm down. Like keep keep a lower profile. And then he just got louder and louder. Right. Yeah. All his people would show up to the meetings. They would stand when he came in, they would applaud Uh, and he left. In one meeting, he screamed, let my people go. Go mm-hmm. like well yeah like not, what what are you talking about, like, about yeah, Whitey they said low profile <laughs> talking about Willis and then he went on like the television and, and the radio it was like trying to tell Brad to be quiet it just got louder and louder couldn't work yeah <laughs> I'm very happy of the what you're talking about Willis that made me happy <laughs> works this in um but in. even wait in, till you hear my ending okay in '61 he collapsed on stage and they rushed him to a hospital and since it was a black church. Apparently they just admitted like the, the ambulance just took him to the black wing of the hospital and admitted him there. And then once he had received treatment and he was in the room, they came in and they were like, Oh, we put you in the wrong wing. We're going to transfer you to the white ring. And he, he refused <laughs> to go because his people couldn't visit, right? Him. Cause his people couldn't yeah. visit him. So he stayed in the black wing of the hospital and the reports were that he was even walking around making beds and like cleaning out bedpans and meeting people in their bed in the, like just like going around and meeting people and doing all Man, this. That stuff. almost seems like a hoax to do. That. Yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of hoax, they said that he had received lots of public criticism and that like even uh, someone left a, a stick of dynamite in the coal pile or yeah. something in the church and that someone even like threw a dead cat on mm-hmm. that. And I was like, dead cat. Wait a minute. He stabbed that fucking cat. <laughs> and then it said, it says um, other incidents occurred, but they thought that Jones was suspecting himself and being involved. So yeah. it was like he was making little tiny false flag attacks on the church. Well, this is my thing. Like, to they, get they, more media. Yeah. The dead cat, though. Come and on. They, you can do something else. He already like, did the dead cat, though. See? This that's, is, what, that's, that's why I'm he saying. linked him up. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. So they moved from Indiana to Ukiah, right? Because Ukiah, California. Right. So they basically the, the church in Indiana, was it in Indiana that they, or no, it was San Francisco where they burned the church down. Right. Cause it, well, right. cause he yeah. starts, he starts his church and he calls it the temple Christian church full gospel. Yeah. And it's an interracial church and it's in Indiana. Yeah. Um, and they can't get the job done there, but it's it's too racist in Indiana. Right. KKK is running rampant. Um, so they make the jump to Ukiah, California, because at that time, uh, California was a progressive state and everybody saw it as like the promised land. Right. So they moved to Ukiah. Uh, it's north, you know, northern California. It's very pretty. Uh, they build a little farm and a church and may, basically make a compound right away. I think between right. that, though, is uh, the problem was he moved to Brazil for a little oh, while. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, I yeah. didn't see that. He oh, yeah. To Brazil. <laughs> um, and so the, the, I didn't see that. Dave sounds like he has some Brazil stuff, but what happened, the reason they went to California is because the congregation started falling apart and he had like great guilt with leaving behind his movement in Indiana, all the things he had fought for, uh, the integration, the rights. And he was carrying guilt that like he left his cause behind there. Right, right. 
Right. Um, and then they contact and said, hey, shit's falling apart. Like, it's going to So, yeah, this, this is an important moment because this is this, something in this era is where Jim Jones goes from, oh, look, I can try to be a positive leader for yeah. the black community to fucking wackadoo. He also like, adopted Korean is, kids in the middle He adopted of two Korean kids yeah. and, and his wife. Kid. They were the first family. Yeah. They were the first white couple in Indiana to adopt a black child. Yeah, three kids. He they adopted, adopted three kids. Yeah. And he adopted, again, he was adopting kids that were war orphans from the Korean war that was, yeah. that was occurring, et cetera. Um, so in 1963, he was preparing for a sermon on the apocalypse, right? So he's getting right, ready to, to do yeah. this. And he discovers in this research that there's some, I forget the name of it. I couldn't pronounce it anyway. There's some obscure place in the middle of Brazil, which people like nuclear experts said was one of the only places on earth that would be untouched during a nuclear war and that you could survive in because it would be abundant food, there, were, there yeah. would be water, all this stuff. So it in was, 63. There was a Times was, article. Uh, Belo Horizonte. Was okay. There. Yeah. And there was a Times article that had nine places in the world that were that would basically withstand the uh, nuclear. And Ukiah was one of them too. That oh, was, was why it? they picked okay. Ukiah. So Brazil and Ukiah have a link. So he moves, he moves to Brazil in 63 because uh, he knows it's the only place that, the, and he starts a church down there, yeah. but his main church is still going Indi in Indiana. So at this point is where he starts to become kind of an apocalypse nut and he starts to preach some weird shit in 63. And then um, he uh, ends up finding out that the temple was collapsing. So he moves back to Indiana and then they move to California collectively. Yeah. Um, but even he like, and again, this is where shit starts to get weird, right? Even within his congregation, he tells everyone in 1963, he tells his congregation that the world is going to end on July 15th, 1967 due to to nuclear fire. Right. And this is why they finally moved to Northern California. I watched a documentary. Well, and this is see that with the guy was like how happy they were on the road trip. It did sound yeah. like a good time. He was like, yeah. it was like 15 cars on a road trip. They all had sold everything they had yeah. and put everything into it. And they're taken out. They got no worries in the world, no commitments, no jobs. They have enough money because they have this community established where everyone's right. going to take care of everyone. A in communism. Communism, socialism right. thing. Right. And they're taking off to this unknown. And then they get there and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It was green and it was this beautiful place. Yeah. In California, he made it. It was and very again, appealing. this is the '60s. There was there's communes everywhere, especially yeah. Northern California. Yeah. There are groups of people who sell everything, drop off the grid, and work in a commune. Which everybody's like, oh, fucking dirty hippies, whatever. But it's like yeah. the idea of it is pretty appealing. Yeah. If like cool. if you, you and need like, medical care, you if, have medical yeah, care. If they you and you like out, your you know, thirty yeah. closest friends all sold your houses and cashed in on everything and just bought a fucking big piece of land and yeah. just worked together. I've actually talked about that. Like with, yeah, with, like with that's fucking friends, kind. You know? cool uh, yeah. like, like that hey would we be, just build 10 houses yeah, on this big that piece would be of property fucking legit, and everybody lives you know? there and does, yeah. their, does their shit so this was a big thing yeah. in the 60s that was already happening so well, and you got to think like he's he's preparing for the nuclear apocalypse we just talked about oppenheimer this is all going on at the same time oppenheimer's fighting for like hey let's, let's stop let's stop producing the h-bomb let's not do this we're gonna end in society as right. we know it you know in mankind you know so this is all kind of off the heels of that you know so, so no, he's 
he's he's tapping into major cultural ideas. He's tapping into nuclear fears. He's tapping into racial integration. So Religious like sixty eight percent of his congregation was black because yeah. he was doing so much for the black community. There were already communes that were moving to Northern yeah. California, so it wasn't some completely fucking yeah. wacky. And then, and then idea. you have you have Malcolm X dying. You have uh, Martin Luther King dying. You have uh, Robert Kennedy dying. You know, getting getting assassinated. Right, right. All within these time frames yeah. too. You know, so it's a very very crazy time. But then again, this is where he starts in his church preaching apocalypse. Um, he starts to preach ideas that if you're born into a capitalist racist America, that you're born in sin. But if you're born in socialism, you're not born in sin. Oh, yeah. And this is what he's starting to advocate. Um, so that's his that's his cross into his socialism into right. religion, like right. how that works, you know, creating it, making it seem like uh, it has something to do with religion, which people can relate to. Right. And by the seventies, he's, when he's already established in Northern California, et cetera, he starts to say that Christianity and the Bible are tools used to oppress women and minorities. And he says, quote, a sky God is no God at all. Talking about like the idea of the Christian God. And he was quoted as saying, um, you know, if, if, uh, if you want a brother, I'll be your brother. If you want a father, I'll be your father. If you want a God, I'll be your God. Right. You know, like he's, he's turning into, He's turning into that, you know, he's turning right. into their right. leader right. and and the ultimate decision, you know, yes. so what Did he you guys says see the goes. moment where he threw the Bible? No. So at the yeah, end of I that did. speech right yeah. there, he like holds up a Bible and he's talking to the whole crowd and he just like chucks it out in the middle of the audience and everyone just went silent apparently and it hit the ground and he just like looked back and forth like waiting for everyone's reaction and he was like, did lightning strike me down? And like nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. There's no God yeah. up there. Like we, had, there's no heaven up there. We make heaven down here. Yeah. And everyone's like, Rah! like first it was like, oh shit, he <laughs> yeah. threw the Bible. But then <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh man, yeah. Like, he's is like, there you, video footage of that happening? I don't, uh, there's, like there's, there's audio for sure because I, I heard the audio. Yeah. yeah. You it have was it big on, on audio. Yeah. There's a lot of audio too. And there's a lot of video. I mean, there's video of them when they're dying and stuff like it's like there's it's it's almost like if you're in a crew and like you're doing this religious thing and everybody's videotaping stuff start begin to get real suspicious right. because at right. the end of this everybody's dying yeah we're all gonna like die. this yeah. is a video i mean they did the same thing in heaven heaven's gates right. like they videotaped all these speeches and sermons that's why brad's and they pushing for videotaping. YouTube so hard. yes that's youtube right. channel <laughs> needed that's right um we just know it, where we're going that's right yeah. we know where we're going we don't know how we're gonna get there we're gonna yeah. we know the end we, we know, know the we know the end result so we and the but sacrifice. then at some point from what i read at points he started to insert into his sermon that he's like the reincarnation of lenin and of Buddha and of all. So he's like, there's this moment where he fucking snaps. Like he starts to become crazy cult leader. Right. I think once you get that following, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like maybe the power just goes to your head, I guess. But you know, I think it's reassuring your thought. You're like, I must be right about something or else all those people wouldn't be following. Exactly. Like mom was right. I am the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah, He he was smart. I mean, he started, he started, um, acquiring Greyhound buses. They would fix them up. They would paint them, make them look nice. And they would go on cross country tours with these buses and just, and there was a guy on one of the documentaries. He's, he was in um, he was in high school. He had just graduated, and he heard that Jim Jones was coming to town, and he went. And three days later, he was on a bus going back to California. Right, like high school. Yeah, I mean, he just out of high school. Yep. He's eighteen years old. Yep. Where's the parents? Well, that's the, you know what per- I mean? that's like, the perfect time to snag yeah. somebody. They hate their small town. They hate their life. Yeah. They hate their parents. And this guy's like, I so got a place grew, to stay. And- yeah. So he grew the congregation from uh, you know they got into Ukiah and it was eighty people and they grew it to thousands. Yeah. 
And they said that if you worked uh, full time at the farm, you know, at the, at the agriculture place, you know, and they were doing stuff, they had jobs all over the place. You work up to 20 hours a day and they were going on like saying like, well, oh, you got three hours of sleep. Well, I only got an hour and a half of sleep. Like who could work the longest? Right. If you think one of the ladies said six days, no sleep, no coffee, no nothing. Yeah. One of the guys said that it was almost like a embedded guilt of not like, like Brad's saying, not doing your part. Think about it. Like if you have this, uh, this goal, this sleep was a leisure. And the movement, and you don't really have any responsibilities outside of society because you're in that commune, in that group, and it's all for the betterment of that group. Right. Like, why do you got to go to bed? Like, why do you have to go to bed tonight? Like, you're working on that thing. It's like, oh, do you have to be up for work in the morning? No, you're just going to keep doing this tomorrow. Well, so you it, might it was, as well keep like hoeing the field to plant the corn so that you get the thing done sooner because everybody's common yeah. goal is the improvement and, and it was progress. Made, and right. it was made to seem like sleep was a sin. Like that was the that that's right. how I, idle I hands. Took it. Yeah. Or, yeah, sleep was a sin. So you know, the less sleep you got, the better it was. But really, that's a perfect brainwashing tactic. Everybody's tired. Right. Everybody's delirious. Yeah. And then you can fucking get into their you head. say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. but their yeah. entire existence was centric around that idealism of what was going on there too. Yeah. So it makes it like they a lot of people no probably didn't care. There's no yeah. outside communication. You don't have any hobbies of any sort. Yeah. It's going to be like go to sermon, hear that thing, do the pr- progress yeah. in this, meet the family. This that, yeah. There's things to right. do, and everything in your entire world exists in that little bubble. So, like, what are you going to do? It's not like you're stopping to play video games. You're not going to play yeah. guitar or listen to some album you just got. And it's also it's like if you're hobby. if you're growing your own farm. I mean, if you're growing your own food, if you're getting your own water, if you're building your own structures, in your best like interest. it's in your best interest, and it's it's meaningful and rewarding work. I mean, that's human yeah. nature. If yeah. you, if you go sit in a fucking cubicle all day, crunching numbers on a calculator, yeah, you your soul feels crushed. But if, if you're like working a, like your own farm, yeah. like not like for fucking $3 an hour, fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like this is mine. Like right. I'm growing food for my loved ones and my yeah. children and my friends. And this is mine and I'm invested in it. And at the end of the day, you would just have this satisfaction of a job well yeah. done. It's like, that's, that's a very powerful, you know, yeah. and they feeling. wholeheartedly believed in the, in the movement. Yeah. You know what I mean? They gave up their entire the old ladies would sell their houses and give the entire estate to the church. You know what I mean? Right. And then yeah. move away. Right. Well, and that's where they, they that, that's when they went into San Francisco and stuff and they had, um, they basically created like a man, the way he talked about it, you know, he's like, he, they, they made this elegant, um, you know, old person's home, you know, he's like in my house, I have rickety old furniture, but in this yeah. old person's home, it is elegant. You know, yeah. he just makes right. this like place where they're taken care of. They don't have to worry about anything. Right. Brilliant way to get money. I mean, yeah, have the, old Nor- people it was sell the their Norway houses, design like, where that yeah. those communities, you know, that's how it is. There's 40 families that yeah. live in a community and all the grandmas watch the kids and you get every night off, but like a couple days a, yeah. a month, it's your turn to watch all the kids. Right. Like that works in small scale like that. Yeah. So and ideally they, it was, it probably it was a good plan. Worked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and after they sell their house and give the church the money, they don't owe any money. They right. just help the church. So, I mean, so it kind of is a beneficial thing. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, you, you start to see his, his law or his, his, um, use of power, like even on the bus tours, you know, they would do the bus tours and there was a, a interview with one of the ladies who was a former, or it still said she was a, a people's temple, you know, member, um, but, uh, he told her, he sat next to her. She said he could smell or she could smell alcohol on his breath. And he leaned over and said, you know what you do to me and told her to meet him in the back room in his bus where he had a room and a study on the bus and, right. uh, and he had sex with her. 
like he came in, everybody was off, you know, at a pit stop, you know, and he came in and he had sex with her and she said she was shivering, she was scared, you know, and all this stuff. And he kept telling her in her ear, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. That's what I whisper to Brad. Yeah. <laughs> when I don't fuck around, I drop my pants and me. I just, I just, That's as long as I whisper that, I just yeah. kind of calm down, okay. calm down. It's okay. Just let it happen. Yeah. And then it's, it's and for I, you, Brad. I had read like after the fact, like reports were surfacing. And again, I don't know if the reports were just surfacing. It's like, are they true reports or are people just talking shit because he's already dead and everything went south? But people were saying that, you know, throughout, like he was drinking a lot. He mm-hmm. was uh, drugs. doing drugs yeah. a lot. He was having sex with male and female members of the of the parish. I can but, see that. But he wasn't. Al- but he didn't allow them to have sex outside of wedlock within the temple. So, like, you either had to be married or you didn't have sex unless you were having sex with him. Well, he was, uh, did you he see just the guy at the hotel or whatever? Like, he walked up to one of the members of the church and put his hand on his, the back of his neck. And he just said, I'll fuck you in the ass if you need me to. And the guy was like, <laughs> he'll be that for him. No, no, no. I'm like, good. If you decide that that's what you need. I'll do it for you. Yeah. That's what he said. And then he walked on. It's because he'll be there for him. He wasn't doing was it because like, he was gay. Yeah. Did you guys see uh, <laughs> that, that. that mark on the map? See the highlight? Uh-huh. You know what that is? No. What is it? One of the locations of the People's Temple. These are the, all the locations oh, on, on yeah. the California map of People's Temples. I tried very hard last night to find where the Bakersfield location was. But what I did come up it with. It was in this basement. On the death list, I found two people from Bakersfield, California. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So there's like a weird. Oh, Bakersfield. they were there. We had a people's temple in Bakersfield, California. Wow. There was only a couple of people. It was Ukai, um, Santa Rosa, Sacramento, uh, San Francisco, Fresno, Los Angeles, and Bakersfield. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. So I got sidetracked um, and started <laughs> digging to try to find like, where is this place at? I yeah. searched Google images. I was trying everything I could find. But what I did find was the memorial death list. And then I searched through it until I found Bakersfield listed. And I, I think this was a couple. I, I really couldn't find their obituary. I tried pretty huh pretty hard um but it was gene dorothy sanders and douglas sanders i found their zip code for some reason was listed on one of it in 93304 um from bakersfield and it gave their their uh, date of birth so one was born 1947 zip codes have changed though so that might be yeah yeah that's crazy um, but yeah wow. two people from bakersfield left on the buses and made it all the way um to jonestown and drank the kool-aid from so they would have been in the they would have been in their 20s yeah, so wow. 78, that guy was 28. This person was a little older, so they'd be three... Uh, 31, 31. Yeah, 31, 31 and 28. Yeah. Uh, so the woman was 31 and the guy was 28. Wow. So I assume that's a couple. Wow. Or like a married couple, yeah. And if you happen to know where the people's temple was, let us know, because I'm really I think I know someone that, that I'll now. know. I'm going to try to find out if I see yeah, him. Okay, yeah. I'm really curious. So, but meanwhile, when all this is happening, like, Jim Jones is so charismatic that he's like making political connections on a scale that people just don't make. I mean, he's, he meets with the vice, like the vice presidential candidate, Walter Mondale meets with them. Um, Rosalind Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife um, has several sit downs with him to get advice on spirituality and all this stuff, because he's a huge, you know, religious figure. And if people are trying to appeal to black voters to whatever, like during this time, like Jim Jones is the guy you go to, you know, at the time they don't know the wackadoo side. They just know this guy has all this clout from fucking Indiana to California, you know, the like day this they is shut the went guy down, you they go were just to. shaking their yeah. head just like, "Oh fuck." Even the governor at the time of California, Governor Jerry Brown, who is 
the governor right now of California. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he said, quote, talking about uh, uh, Jim Jones, he called him, quote, what you should see every day when you look in the mirror in the early morning hours, a combination of Martin King, Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Chairman Mao. It says Willie Brown. Is it? Is Jerry? No, Brown? Willie Brown was a different. Willie Brown is a different guy, but Jerry Brown is was all. They, they were both there at this. Willie Brown was in San Francisco, and Jerry Brown was the governor of the state. I think Willie Brown was the mayor of San Francisco. I or think so. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I have it showing that Willie Brown said what you just said. But. Oh, Willie Brown said that. Yeah, Willie okay. Brown said that, not okay. Jerry Brown. No. But Jerry Brown still met with him. Yeah. Jerry Brown was a regular consultant with him, et cetera. Okay, I apologize. I thought that was Jerry Brown. Because it's... You just uh, got excited about the Bakersfield connection, and you were just like... That's right. I was like, okay. Yeah. But no, but Jerry Brown did meet with him all the time. He was on the on the regular uh, meeting list with him, et cetera. Um, so again, this guy has political clout on a massive scale. And again, why wouldn't he? If you're this big integrationalist, if you've got all these you know, black people everywhere that are willing to listen to what you have to say, politicians are going to flock to you. Like you're the guy that's going to get them black votes, you know? So politicians did congressmen, et cetera. So he, he was a huge figure. And again, you know, it's, I mean, you know, if you look at Charles Manson at the height of his cult days, everybody was like, look at that fucking cult weirdo. Yeah, yeah. You look at Jim Jones at the height of his cult days and he's like fucking sitting down with the first lady. I mean, it's like a yeah. totally different, you know, thing. I, I don't know if it was just luck or if he was just that clever or I, think I don't know in the beginning he really did do great things well yeah. I, really I, I thought that well I thought that that was kind of weird too I'm like well he's got this church and he tries to get into government but then you realize that he's trying to get the communism into government he kept so. getting appointed to positions though yeah. Like yeah. the human rights commission yeah. and then there's another one in here I don't know if we talked about it yet I'm not to it but or we already talked about it I don't know but he keeps getting appointed in positions of authority right well, that's because, like I said, as as being, I think he went the the route that you should. I mean, to be able, who has power over politicians but their pastors? Oh, I found it. Um, the uh, Moscone uh, subsequently appointed Jones as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority. Housing Authority, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah, after he was the human rights person, he, in, in, he moves yeah. again and gets a job again. Right. Yeah. So, no, I mean, he's got he's got massive political clout. He's like a he's a big deal. So I would I can only imagine. I mean, I was too young to remember any of this stuff, but um, I can imagine the shock that people would have had when all this fucking shit went down because he would have been a mainstream, you know, uh, media uh, person. But so long about this time is when he decides that the people's temple needs to move to Guyana. Okay. Well, the reason for that is the right. article that was going to get published. Yeah. Okay. Break that down. Yeah. I didn't so that. the, so what happened was a uh, reporter started coming around a journalist and started doing a report on, you know, basically the, the, the so cult as a members whole, had I guess. Quit and, members yeah. had quit. There was 10 members that had quit and somebody still stayed in contact with them. Mm -hmm. And they ended up getting a hold of this reporter. Um, and he did a piece basically using statements from these people on Jim Jones. And okay. they had a, uh, a conversation. And one of the ladies said that the, he was on the phone. She was recording it. And then somebody else was on the other phone, like listening in, like through this whole thing. And they were basically reading the article to him 
the day before it was released mm-hmm. and it basically just fuck it just was gonna fuck him up just put him on blast. i mean it was like they were talking about rapings and beatings and how they paddled people and uh he had uh beat a 16 t- year old girl and there was just all these like horrible things in this article and he decided like i guess during that conversation while they were talking he mouthed to the people in the room we're leaving he didn't say it out loud, but he, he mouthed yeah, that it. That spanking thing really caught me off guard. I mean, I know it's like a crazy cult thing and then they drink Kool-Aid and die. But like all of a sudden he's like, well, she's like, well, I got spanked one time in front of every, in front of the congregation. I was like, well, what? he would, he would, yeah. Call you to the front yeah. and you would either get like, yeah. you think, what do you think? Oh, Willie deserves a boxing up. And this black guy said he had to yeah. fight like seven guys and they like yeah. kind of beat him up at the beginning. And then he'd call a stop to it. Like, well, no, he said that they would, woman. they would beat him so bad. They would knock him out. They He'd would throw, throw water. water on him, wake him back up and continue the beating. Holy shit. He was like fucking some, uh, going Tyler was, Durden on. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a woman that church fight club. Somehow the congregation started to yell about like, you think you got all this? Why don't we see what you got? Like, why don't you No, it was, they were at a meeting. Yeah. They were at a meeting like the high ups were at a meeting and she was supposedly passing like flirtatious notes to, to Jim. That's what it was. And, um, and the other lady called her out on it and said, you don't have nothing. He wants blah, 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 blah. And she was like, yeah, I do. And they were like, fine, then, then put it out there. Let's see it. Show it. And then Jim Jones tipped his glasses down and gave the like, yeah, go ahead. And they made her get naked in front of everybody in the room, stripped down, butt naked. And they started making fun of her, telling her what her titties look like and her stomach and her ass and all this stuff. And she was just, they said she was just red, like beat red from embarrassment. And he was sitting there smiling and like kind of giggling a, at it. Yeah, like an evil grin, like wow. he was loving that they were tearing her down. And there were people that said in meetings that they were they were slapped. Um, you know, people that wanted to leave, he would get them in front of them and he would ask them, you know, do you want to leave? And they'd be like, no, no, I don't. Why'd you say that for then? I don't know why I said that. And he's like, get out of my face and don't talk to me about it again. Like, like he was just... He was just rude and mean. Like, I mean, the, you hear these and it's, and it's actual audio of him saying right, this stuff, right. you know I mean? And he's just an asshole. Like yeah. he just has this power and now people are afraid to leave, you know, because he probably has these, like he had two guards, uh, cause he was so convinced that he was going to get assassinated. He had two guards that, that were there at the ready to jump in front of him and take the bullet for him. Wow. So, you know, I mean, it just progressed to this, this, crazy military style, you know what I mean? Just beatings. Right, and, and, right. and I mean, just, it just, it's horrible. You know, it just people turns are living this, in fear. Yeah. It just turns this corner and becomes yeah. dark cult. Land so well, like on over, one side you know, of it, all these people are lying and saying, no, this is great. Everything is great. Everything is great. Everything is great. But really from, from the bus tours before they even moved to San Francisco, things were starting to take a turn where he's taking advantage of the women that are there, right. you know, and, and he's, and he's beating people and having people beaten and he might not even be doing it. It's just the congregation is so on his side, they're beating people. Right. Right. You know? So this article comes out about all these things that we're talking about and he's like, we're leaving. So it, that's yeah, when they take off just before it came 24 hours. They were, they yeah. left, uh, they left the United States six hours before that. Hundreds of plane tickets. Like, yeah. they were like on a mission to yeah. get out. Cause of he there. knew his ass was grass. Like right. if they fucking caught that. And they had, so. they had already started building the community there. It was basically six, uh, man, it was like 
It was impressive. I was like, damn, how much money do they have? Oh, they were already down there building. They were down there building. There was a small community down there working, building housing, building, you know. It was like uh, 300 miles from anything. They had to like machete chop trails in and and cut trees down. It was basically in the forest. It was was in the fucking jungle in Guyana. Yeah. I was like, God, I mean, I know that it's cheaper to get shit done other places, but still, you had to bring in bulldozers and the resources weren't there. Like, where do you get, you know, concrete and asphalt and all the things to build? All the things that they built, it was crazy. Like I, I just well, can't, he, if he had fucking churches all the way up and down the state of California, yeah, he, he was money. making fucking money, man. Yeah, I didn't see anything money wise. That's like, I'm well, he was. Yeah, I don't know the financials. Either. I, I didn't, yeah, see, I didn't any see any financials, it. but I know he said uh, they were interviewing him, and he said it was it was crazy because they had you know people with money and influence all the way down to the common farmhand. You know, well, here's the thing. I'm sure a lot of them didn't have anything, especially. I mean, since, let's face it, it was the '60s, and the majority of the congregation was black, so they probably mm-hmm. didn't have any money but like oh, come you said, on dave there were yeah, sorry there were people who were signing their fucking houses over like get 10 people to sign over their estate and That's you've got money yeah i mean true. you've got enough money to any thousands of people doing yeah it. exactly yeah, so. yeah not to mention tithing not to like even like the people who weren't brainwashed that were just going to a yeah. church they would have put 10 bucks in a bowl at the end of the sermon yeah. you know i mean well and and, and he's not being taxed yeah, yeah i mean it, like, his 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 tithe was 20 percent. like it was like a, a bigger chunk. big chunk and um i mean if you think about it going after the old people kind of smart because they're gonna die pretty soon you don't have to take care of them so you're getting their money they're dying off and that's you they know you're not someone taking to help care take of them. care of yeah them. right yeah. they need someone to help take care of them they're freaking all alone or something yeah. but now they're part of a community one, one like, thing that one thing that really struck me was that he used the children as like a key like they were so brainwashed, they would turn in their parents if they said they wanted right. to leave. Right. And the kids were the biggest snitches. Like the kids were the ones that were on board more than the adults because they didn't understand the real danger. They right. didn't understand what was going to happen. Right. Right. And I was just like, wow, like people just let their kids get into this and the kids would turn them in. Yeah. You know, just well, the, I mean, up, it's going to be the easiest to them. brainwash them. Yeah. You know, oh, they did. Like when the entire community is saying, this is what you have to believe. Yeah. And if you go home and your parents are like, no, this isn't. And if you believe that your parents are doing something wrong and you'll, they'll be better off if yeah. you, if they can, you know. So yeah. my vision of Jonestown is it, it, it is a tiny Korea, North Korea. Like they have <laughs> basically, I mean, it, it is, you can't leave. You right. know what I mean? You're, you're, uh, isolated from the outside world. The only information you got from the outside world was from Jim Jones. He had a loudspeaker that played 24 hours a day with propaganda of the apocalypse, basically. Right. And uh, of socialism. And socialism. And, 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 and yes. Yeah. And, and just. He just, kept saying that the decline of the United States was occurring and they were going to go to war and all these things that were And happening. they were after him and yeah. this and that. And, and that if, if that, if this plan failed, they could move to Russia. Um, and. Yeah, they were under it, negotiation to try to get to Russia. To get to Russia. Yeah. But then, but then he starts talking about something called the translation. Did you guys see? that believe the translation was part of one thing that he would preach where he said that he and his followers would all die together and move to another planet or plane where they would live blissfully so again if anyone listening right now happens to be in a religion that believes that you're all going to die together and move to another plane blissfully you're not unless yeah. you got a, <laughs> unless you got a dope ass spaceship that you already flew on like you're, you know, like some shit we don't you're just gonna die yeah 
Like it's just, I mean, it's just fucking out of the playbook, you know? Um, and then I read, did you guys read about the, what he would call the white knight events? No. Yeah. That was the fake poisonings. He would have white knights where like the things were like the worst. And that's when he would really rail against, you know, America and that communism was our savior and all this stuff. And more than once he told the members of the congregation today is the day we are drinking poison and everybody drank this shit. And then they sat around waiting to start dying and then he stood up and said that wasn't poison that was a loyalty test right. so yeah. it, it wasn't like when they drank the poison and died they had never thought about it he had the congregation take a vote that they were yeah. all going to kill themselves and the vote went in his favor at one of these white knights and they had already done a practice fucking suicide yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to do when man. you when you die Dave and you open your eyes and you're on another planet in some utopian society and everybody's wearing black Nike Cortez's <laughs> walking around there's a Kool-Aid stands all over the place. The first thing I'm going to right. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is say, "Hey, you guys were right. Too bad I got here too and I didn't have to do any of that stupid bullshit." Yeah. That's, that's I, I lived my life and you guys sucked. <laughs> that's my No, first you know like thought. like the, they got the, there first. the maybe crazy so cool, though. the yeah, crazy maybe. thing was they got all the good land. At, at mm-hmm. the end, you know when they're they're, you know, he's like, "Hey, everybody's dying. They're coming to get us. We got to do this. We got to kill ourselves now." And he's like, "If anybody, you know, has a problem with it, come up here and speak, you know, and people will come up and speak and say, you know, I think doing this, we're giving them the victory, you know, and people didn't want to do it. Yeah, they're like, look at all the babies they yeah. didn't live. They literally started injecting the babies with the fluid and just the people's babies and kids were dying and they're just like, what the fuck? Right. Like it they is. They kept using the terminology, uh, the terminology injecting though. I mean, I think it's, it's because they were syringing so, the fluid into their mouths. Uh, like I think it was a, they had a vat of some sort. It wasn't Dixie like that Cups? That they made, yeah. Dixie Cups would have been cooler. But well, so, so here's the thing, like we're, we're getting to the point where everyone dies and part of this comes about because there's a group that is called the concerned relatives and the concerned relatives are basically a group of cult busters of people who have escaped the temple Yeah, and it is called concerned relatives because it's comprised of concerned relatives that oh, want to get people Senator, out of Senator the temple. Senator Ryan and all that. This starts to get yeah. into some of that. Yeah. So they, um, they track down, uh, Senator Leo Ryan, um, and want to get him to investigate. And I looked into Leo Ryan and he's fucking crazy. Leo Ryan is like this crazy, legit congressman. So in 1978, they convinced uh, the relatives convinced Leo Ryan to go with a camera crew from NBC and a bunch of reporters from various big newspapers to go down to Jonestown. But I looked up, um, Leo Ryan to see like why they went to him and this is why they went to him. First off, he w- he was this crazy hands-on guy. At one point when he was uh, a member of a Senate subcommittee that was investigating the condition of schools, he went undercover with a fake name as a substitute teacher and taught in a bunch of schools so that he could report back to Congress and say this is exactly what it's like in the schools. He was the um chairman of the assembly committee for prison reform yeah. in congress this is cool yeah and he this went dope. Yeah, he was fucking dope he went and got himself checked into Folsom prison as a prisoner under a false name Damn. so he could see what life was like in Folsom prison as a prisoner and then once he was there long enough they pulled him out and then he could go back and report to congress this is what it's like in a prison right now yeah no, like he this didn't, g- he didn't even get a whistle <laughs> no yeah. he didn't get a whistle well i think this i think that's how it should be if you're going to be if you're going to be judging what you know, 
prison reform should be. You, you know, need like, to know need what to it's know. like. Yeah, and yeah. that's what this guy did. He was a huge critic of the CIA at the time, all of their misdeeds, all of their power grabs, all the shit they were doing in the 60s and 70s. He co-authored a bill called the Hughes-Ryan Act, which requires that the president has to report all CIA covert operations to a congressional subcommittee so that there's more oversight, so that it's not just the president and the CIA doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah. The CIA now has to report to a congressional committee um, with all of the black ops, with all the things that are going on so that there are more people involved in the decision making. Yeah. So um, he I mean, he was a legit congressman. I mean, he, he got shit done. Um, and he ended up going down on November 18th, 1978. Um, he went down, he, he got to Jonestown um, with the group of reporters with all this stuff. And you, maybe you guys read more about this or saw more about this. So while he's at Jonestown, a temple member named Don Sly attacks him with a knife. Yeah. That's really all I saw in that he came well, they, running they, out like with yeah. bloody, bloody shirt or whatever is all I really they, saw. They um, basically like they, they went in uh, and Senator Ryan's like actually left his will with one of the secretaries because it could go either way. They right. said, because there were reports that, that this place had guns, you know, it was this crazy, just, you know, cult and encampment. And um, so that when they went down there, the climate was different. And, and for a little while, everything was fine. They were talking to people. Everybody really enjoyed being there. He talked to Jim and, and said like, Hey, I'm going to take this back and let everybody know everybody's good down here. You know, they can leave whenever they want. And it was probably a good play on Ryan's part to bring an NBC news crew and all these newspaper reporters, because now Jim Jones knows we have to be on our best behavior right now. So, so the shit really hits the fan when one of the, one of the parents tries to slip a reporter a note. So okay. he basically in passing puts the note in the crease of his arm. The, the, the reporter drops it. He picks it up and says, here, you drop this. And one of the kids starts screaming, he's passing a note. He's passing a note. He's passing a note. So the kid rats him out. And uh, the journalist takes the note back to Ryan. And actually, I guess there was a couple of them that had gave him notes. And they're like, oh, shit, like these people are like trying to get out of here. And they're like, please help us. Please help us get us out of here. And so Ryan meets with Jim Jones and says, hey, and they're on film and everything like, hey, like, what do you think about these notes? These people are trying to leave unknowing that he's fucking these people over and himself over. Right. And so the press said that with Ryan being there, they had this like feeling of protection of this congressional protection around them because he's a senator. Right. Um, So that's when Jones has fucking somebody come up. They said he was shaky. The guy was just like real like, and he said, you're going to die motherfucker and just stabs him. So, that's and and then everything went to shit. So him. they beat feet. So he gets stabbed. Yeah. They beat feet and they take all all the reporters. Everybody gets the fuck yep. out of there. And along with them, fifteen temple members defect with them. So the yep. motorcade full of reporters yep. has fifteen people. The people who've been passing yep. notes, all this stuff. So they bail with fifteen people and yep. they start. Well, I heading. think they 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 say like Jim Jones said like if you want to leave, leave. Like right. if you just get out of here, basically get right. out of here. If you want to leave, whoever wants to go with them go. 
go with them. Like, just get out of here. For a reason. Yeah. You know, so they bail. They leave from Jonestown and they go to Georgetown, which is where the airport Airport. is in Guyana. And they get to the runway. I can't imagine it's a thriving, you know, metropolitan airport. They're on a fucking runway waiting for a puddle jumper. In South America. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. With dirt. There's a small video of the beginning of that shooting. Oh, is there? Yeah. The the airplane was a pretty large uh, plane. It wasn't, you know, like a giant airliner. But yeah, yeah, it was a twin prop. It was a pretty big plane. Um, but they get out and they start going in and all of a sudden here comes the dump truck. Yeah. With four men. Yep. That they call the red brigade. Yeah. Which, and they start shooting at everyone yeah. who are trying to get on the plane. Well, they said one of the guys, one of the reporters, he was an Asian guy. He said that, um, there was the guys and they were standing there and they said nothing. They just stand there and they stared at each one of their faces, just kept staring at them. Didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden people popped up from the back of the dump truck. There was a bunch of people inside the back of the dump truck and started firing guns. That's crazy. And uh, that's when uh, uh, everybody starts. People are dying. Ryan dies. Yeah. Um, Ryan dies. Reporters get shot to an NBC reporter and an NBC cameraman gets uh, shot and and killed. A photographer for the San Francisco Examiner gets killed. And then one of the defectors, a woman named Patricia Patricia Parks, um, one of the 15 defectors, she also gets shot. And it was crazy because there was a uh, one of the woman journalists was talking about the she got shot. And so she was laying there on the ground pretending that she was dead. And after everything stopped, they walk up and shot her point blank. But so they just lived. went and shot. She lived. Yeah. yeah. She still lived. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they came up, shot everybody point blank to make sure that they were dead and then hopped back in the dump truck and went back. And this is where fucking drink the Kool-Aid started. Yeah. And one is, of the guys, so, one of the guys says like, you know, he's, he's talking, he's preaching. Everybody's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And all of a sudden all these guys with guns start coming out and this guy goes, what the, where the fuck did all these guns come from? Right. Like they, the people there didn't, didn't even know, know the guns were there. Yeah. They had yeah. no idea. So this, so again, same day, November 18th, 1978, um, this this is the day where everyone drinks the the Kool Aid, right? Yeah. So and I read and they're forced too. Like the kids are forced. They're just like put the put the stuff down the mouth. And they did. They they gave most of the kids the stuff first, and then it was easier apparently to convince the parents to do it as well. Yeah. Their well, kids then you just saw your kids die, yeah. and, and, like, and, oh, shit, and and or the and or the faithful spouse. You know, the wife's gonna take it, right? You know, like I mean, like what do you have to live for? You but know? once you just killed your kid or saw a bunch of kids die, like I'm sure your headspace changes. Yeah. Brad just drank the Kool-Aid. Wow. That's very sweet. I told you that Kool-Aid is oh. something. I guess it is the moment we should it's drink sweet. Kool-Aid. Yeah, we're drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm dying. Right, I'll take a sip. Okay. Today's yep. the day. I'm on a diet, but I'll drink Maybe it. It's, I hope it's fake sugar, man. It's got carbs in it. It's not. As long as it's before two. It yep. tastes kind it's, of fake sugary. It, it's, uh, oh man, that, that is a strong sugar. Yeah, that's a Ooh. thing. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah, it tastes like you're drinking uh, like a otter pop that should have been frozen. Yeah. It tastes like it's so <laughs> sweet it should have been a popsicle, not right. a drink. It needs more water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the common report says that 909 inhabitants died in Jonestown from yeah. the poison. 304 of them were children. I had read that 167 members survived. Yeah. I don't know if they just refused the poison or if they, I'm guessing that's what happened. Some of his kids were at a basketball tournament, I guess, during the whole event. Uh, Jones kids. 
Oh, really? Yeah, like a, like a biological one, an adopted one or something. They were at some basketball yeah. tournament, so they weren't there. Yeah, because the adopted uh, black son was, mm-hmm. is still alive. He was in right. the documentary I watched. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they... they um, I think he, I think they just kind of gave it to him and they took it or they didn't, you know what I mean? And most, and he sat there through the whole thing as these people are taking it, take it. We must die. We must go now. He's setting there. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Stop. Don't be like this. You know, just like it. He was basically telling me, you can die like this peacefully. You can just go to sleep or you can die like that. They're going to shoot us. They're all going to shoot us. Well, that's what he said. He's because the thing is the FBI discovers later that the whole suicide is being recorded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there was an audio tape yeah. of the entire suicide yeah. process going and Jones is yelling at him that, you know, hostile forces are going to capture your children. Um, yeah. He said like, I didn't think this, I don't know if this would have persuaded me, but one of his quotes <laughs> was, um, once the, once the hostile forces take your children, they're quote, gonna let them grow up and be dummies. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa. Well, fuck. We better all die yeah. then. Kill me now. Not, kill Everybody's kill me dummies. Now. Everybody put like, their cut back like, on. Or, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> dummies, I'd up. say. Yeah, they're going to come and capture them and make them grow up and not be communists. <laughs> like, they're going to be dummies. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with yeah, that outcome. Like, so yeah. I can be a dummy then? I'll, I'll take the dummy. It's crazy. Um, but he called it a revolutionary suicide. This was part yeah. of the revolution that they were doing. Um, the at one point a woman jumps up and I don't know if she survived or if they just identified her on the tape, but they said that her name was Christine Miller and she says that she doesn't want to take it and this is madness and they shouldn't be doing it. And Jones says on the tape, quote, stop these hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to die. Death is a friend. Yeah, die with, he kept saying that too. Die with dignity. Die with dignity. Yeah. yeah. Die with respect. Because you're not gonna that. if you get captured. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, one of the guys, um, which uh, I thought was kind of cool on the documentary, who was one of the members and he was there, he says, to this day, everybody calls it a suicide. And he said, I will not use the word suicide. Jim Jones killed those people. Right. And I was like that. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah, a I good, mean, he that's did. A good yeah. under threat of gun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, he had guys with guns like, you know, like they, they were all there to make sure that. Everybody dies. Drank. And towards the end of the tape, Jones is heard saying, we didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide, protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Like he says that directly into the tape. And just look at, and then you look at the picture of it and it's just a lot of people dead. Right. I mean, it it was like the, and it was the largest loss of life until nine 11 or something from, I can't remember what the category it fell into, but just a single American loss of life in a day. basically. Um, So, but again, after like, after the fact people, and again, I think we've seen this in other cults that we looked at, um, other tapes that were recorded, like, cause apparently he recorded shit all the time, but there were tons of other tapes that, that, uh, reporters got and the government got that revealed that, um, Jones was getting sicker. He had high blood pressure. He he had had a a small stroke. He was having rapid weight loss. He kept suffering from temporary blindness. So like he was sick and he was pretty much on his way out. And like like a lot of gates thing, like like a lot of cult leaders, it's like once they start going out, it's like, I'm taking everybody with me, you know, but, um, 
And again, this this is where I started to look at different conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists uh, start to are trying to poke holes in the official story. Um, and some of the stuff that I saw that the conspiracy theorists say, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, they said that the initial reports from multiple of the major newspapers, because remember, there were reporters on the scene yeah. at the time yeah. that were able to go right back and and see yeah. what happened that day. But the original newspapers were putting the death count at around 400 and that it didn't hit 900 until the U.S. Army got there. And people think that there was some sort of a firefight, weird uh, cover up kind of a there weren't that many people dead. And then the U.S. government said because um, the, the, well, the U.S. Uh, government does like killing kids. So the I Guyanese government was the one that also said there were 400. So the military report said the Guyanese government simply couldn't count <laughs> and that the bodies were stacked in a way that looked like it was 400, but it was actually 900. Hmm, like, I don't know about your body stacking skills, but that's, <laughs> that's a hell of a I stack. mean, if you got a pile of, if you got a pile of bodies, like it is kind of hard to say, like, it's like counting the beans in the jar, you know, like how many are in there? Yeah. But when it's a pile of, when it's a mass of dead human beings, you would think that you would be like, we need to know exactly how many people just died. I mean, if you're walking around counting bodies, you're not fucking guessing. No. Like you'd be like, wait, I think there's another arm <laughs> right. down there. Like clearly that person doesn't have four arms. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but the, the reports just kept coming out that were more and more and more deaths. That's one of the things that the conspiracy uh, people point to. Another thing that they point to is that the uh, the coroner from uh, the Guyanese coroner named Dr. Leslie Mutu, um, he and his assistants examined over a hundred of the bodies during the 32 hour period right after the the death, and said that the adults had been injected with cyanide in with a hypodermic needle in places that they couldn't have reached. But then when the official report came out from American... Well, people were injecting them, though. Like, right. that was the thing. Like, they were... Like, the babies and stuff, they were going in and injecting Well, they were them. saying that even the adults were injected, but then when the... Yeah. When the... Um, Ultimately, from from what I had read, and I, again, I don't know how true this is coming from the conspiracy angle, but it said that only seven of the bodies actually got autopsies in the United States because <laughs> the bodies were in the heat for too long, decomposing too long. Yeah. And they, everyone just kind of drank the Kool-Aid about the fact that they drank the Kool-Aid. So right. nobody yeah. was really, you know, asking questions about what yeah. happened. Well, what, so what, only, what was the point, though? I mean, like only seven. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, only seven autopsies were ever conducted by American coroners yeah. and they just concluded, yeah, they died from cyanide poisoning, but they didn't dig deep enough to find out, did they drink it? Was it injected? But the bodies were so decomposed by then it would have been really difficult to figure it out anyway. Yeah. Um, so they think that, and again, it all goes back to the fact that they think that it had something to do with the CIA. What, what, the, what was their angle? What was well, the maybe CIA's like they're, they're, angle of killing them? Well, here, here's the angle sense. though. The angle was that, um, the and there was an article that a a, a really legit uh uh reporter named Jack Anderson. He had won the Pulitzer Prize before. Mm -hmm. He wrote for uh, the United Feature Syndicate, so he was a syndicated reporter that mm -hmm. they would send all over the world, etc. But he wrote an article in 1980 called CIA Involved in Jonestown Massacre, and it dealt with a couple of different issues. There was a guy named uh, Dwyer who was the chief he was the deputy chief of the mission to the embassy at Guyana, and he was known to have direct connections with the CIA. And there are audio tapes 
in during the suicide and during the suicide there were moments where jim jones says quote get dwyer out of here before something happens to him but dwyer was supposed to be at the embassy in georgetown during the suicide but there's this weird connection Hmm. between this guy who has all these contacts in the cia being there and then they also say it's very strange that um this particular congressman Leo Ryan, who was an on the ground guy for shit he was investigating and who was actively investigating by is abuse dead. of power from the CIA, right. went there yeah. to investigate and ended up getting yeah. killed. So there's this weird connection. Yeah, and I, and I see that though too because the we, we already talked about this in, in previous episodes about the Communist Party being huge at this time and the fight against communism, which that's everything that Jones taught right you know what i mean it went from preaching about god to you know communism so yeah wipe out this entire hey we have we can kill two birds with one stone let's wipe out this whole fucking communist party and then we can also wipe out this senator who's causing this issue so is jones supposed to be going along with this how do you get that's that's what i wasn't quite for but they were they were pointing like the 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 quote-unquote solid evidence they had was the fact that they didn't think ryan would be down there unless it had something to do with the cia because he wouldn't have been investigating it in the first place they look at that stuff from the original coroner that said that they were injected and they didn't drink it right and then they look at um the grow the number discrepancy of how many people were dead according to the reporters versus the military and then um they look at this connection with this dwyer guy and the fact that the audio recording keeps referring to getting dwyer out of here before shit goes south and all this kind of stuff so those are the connections that they make like at the extreme end of the conspiracy theory people start to claim that the entire thing was some sort of mk ultra mind control experiment and this is how jones was able to convince people of things and get all this power and all this stuff. But um, I, I don't saw know his why. autopsy had enough uh, barbiturates to kill a horse. They said, yeah, he unless was, he had he built was, up a tolerance, he was, was loaded with phenobarbital yeah. and he had a bullet to the head that was consistent with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but could have been inflicted by somebody else. Yeah. So the, they say that is there not a pistol laying next to him? I never saw like I, I couldn't find anything that I didn't that. see. Yeah, they just said the gunshot wound. See. It was a gunshot. Yeah. Gunshot so I mean, the, the, those are the, the questions that conspiracy theorists raise about it and people point to the CIA. Um, I did find it interesting that that particular senator flew all the way down to Jonestown to investigate this thing like that, that, that once again, once I saw that CIA connection with this guy and the fact that he wanted to limit CIA power, I was like, okay, well, that is kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah, but again, without any more evidence, it's nothing but a coincidence. I mean, he might have, I mean, he went and investigated schools and prisons, and all of a sudden, right. if people in his district were saying our family members are abducted and down there, he was a hands on guy, yeah, CIA or nothing. He just went down to find out what, yeah. the, I mean, if he was willing to check himself into Folsom prison, yeah. he's willing to fly to fucking Jonestown with a security contingent and a bunch of reporters yeah so but th- those are the links that conspiracy theorists are, are connecting and again they don't think it was a they don't think it was a mass suicide they think it was a mass it, hit or something. i didn't come across yeah. that at all is there enough information to do like a part two like the conspiracy of i don't think so no. that's it kinda, it, it that's pretty much is, it. that's that's it's yeah. like there's this entire thing leading up to everybody dying and it's just like okay everybody's dead right like that's it right. like it's like but i mean the else. i mean the fact that there's evidence of i mean and even people who survived that talk about this white the white knights where yeah. they had to drink the fake poison and all thought they were like they took votes as a congregation on the fact that one day they were all going to kill themselves if right. they if someone was coming i mean yeah it's it to me it seems like it's a shut 
separate case. I mean, all the evidence is there that they were already planning on killing themselves. Obviously, yeah, at the moment of doing it, I'm sure a ton of them were like, it seems like no. It seems like too good of a cover-up for the CIA. They always Yeah, they always fuck everything Yeah, you're up. just like, yeah. nope, this is unbelievable. But everything that's here <laughs> right. is pointing to these people just fucking being brainwashed right. by this charismatic guy. Yeah. And that's it. Like, there is no... And I mean, if he, if Jones was willing to move his entire temple to a fucking different country in 24 hours because a bad news story came out, then how, how off the dials is he going to go when a bad story comes out in his new communist sanctuary? You know, it's like, I can't let it happen. He probably thought, I mean, if all of them just got massacred at the airport, he could have claimed anything like rebel faction came and shot up the airport. I mean, he could have claimed anything. And if there were no survivors, he could have kept on going, you know, as is, but didn't work out that way. Yeah. I don't know. Jim quite a, yeah. Went for like, again, childhood ticks every box of being a cult leader. And then like all through his early career as a pastor, he's like doing genuinely good things for the nation. And then he just turns this apocalyptic fucking let's just translate to another planet. Yeah, crazy pill. Drugs. Yeah. yeah. Cool sunglasses though. He did have cool yeah, sunglasses. Yeah. Kind of Elvis. I was going to say, yeah, he was very Elvis. He was kind of a <laughs> pimp. Yeah. He was, he was kind of cool. So yeah, I don't know. Final thoughts on Jonestown. Crazy. I don't think it's a conspiracy. That that count thing makes me a little curious. Of like, why? How could you accidentally not count twice as many people? That's a little right. weird. Right. Yeah, but they might have been all fucked up. Like, I mean, like this is some crazy. They could have been lost in translation. Jesus Christ, could have yeah. been a nine or some shit. Yeah. Or they could have just been all over the fucking place. Yeah. Like, if well, they like, were. They were in housing. Like, they were all yeah. over. You that's know, what I'm. So. If there was like one major area where 400 of I them think were, they were. Then yeah. you start going all over the place, and you're like, oh shit, there's people over here. There's yeah. people over there. There's yeah. people in the jungle. There's people. People in this room and that room. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. cat in a hat. Yeah. Like, it's a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. It's people yeah. over here, people over there. <laughs> it is. It's people everywhere. It's a very, very grisly cat in the hat, yeah. but there it is. They should make a Dr. Seuss <laughs> Jonestown book. Uh, it's real creepy. Uh, yeah. I think we're on to something. Yeah. Those yeah. would sell. All right. Brad said he was going to do the sponsor. I did not. He has an L. Yucateco shirt on. No? Leaving. I got two El Yucateco comments in, uh, in the time we were doing this show, just like on social media. Uh-huh. One of them I'll take. They put it on jalapeno pizza. The other one, we cannot support nor condone this act, but someone said, put this in your book as another use. And they had a bottle of black label and a dog leash saying that it's a good deterrent for chewing. But I don't think that that's a good idea. I don't think that's well, a good idea. Um, dogs don't like, I put, I, I uh, sprinkled um, cayenne pepper. Try it. I bet they, yeah. I, I, I sprinkled cayenne pepper on my plants because, like, when I first started getting my plants, like, I'd get a new potted plant and my dog would go and eat them and dig in the soil. Right. So I started putting uh, cayenne on them and, and doesn't bug, they, they, they sniff it, they like sneeze, and then they go away from it. Right. Well, here's so the thing. It's when ca- I, probably kind of the same thing. When I was a kid, we had a dog who we had a, like a, a picnic bench outside back in Michigan and, or like a picnic table, like a, like a old school wooden yeah. picnic table. And our dog like went outside and would like at night chew on the, on the seats of yeah. the table and was chewing up the wood. And my mom like lost her shit and was like, she, he is not going to tear up my table. So she made this like witch's brew full of like cayenne pepper and yeah. vinegar and black pepper and all this stuff. And she like slathered it all over yeah. the table. That's still around. Um, 
and the dog continued to chew up the table, but no one cared anymore because we couldn't sit at the table because it was covered in cayenne pepper, yeah. vinegar, and black pepper. Yeah. So she basically, in a rampage, ruined the table for any human to ever yeah. sit at. Just and then the dog, dog just kept it. on yeah. chewing it. My dog doesn't care, actually. We had like a spot where she kept digging and digging and digging and digging. And I went through that phase of like low-carb diet where I was making stuffed jalapenos. And I would, I would core the seeds out of the middle of the jalapenos. And I just kept throwing them in that spot, like where the dirt was at. She didn't care at all. Yeah. She dug the shit. Yeah, their poop back yeah. in it. Yeah. I did that too. I did. That. Uh, I was gonna. I, I was gonna mention uh, Mike Money and Jared Mars. Apparently, there was some dog swap. Did you see that? Um, I saw there that was Mike a, they Money had a, had a dog. Yeah, they found Mike. So Mike Money, uh, one of our fans, uh, found a dog, uh-huh. and then uh, they were looking for a home for it. And Mike Money and Jared Mars, who's another fan who lives somewhere else, not by us. Um, actually they became like buddies on Twitter over our podcast right. and now Jared Mars actually took the dog and how, is, how far does oh, Jared Mars live How far away does he live? Uh, I think he lives down South somewhere. Oh, I don't down know. LA or yeah. something. No, I think it's further than that or further. yeah. That's kind of crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Well, hats off. So That's I, awesome. I'm not going to say where he lives at, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they met and and actually like helped a dog, you know, find a home. So that's legit. Over our podcast, so that's well cool. done, gentlemen. We got a, a new fan that I'm supposed to give a shout out to. It's uh, Katrina Guzman. She actually a friend of Jake Blair's, and I just want to let her know right away that she will never surpass Jake Blair in fandom because that guy can like your Instagram post and yeah, like before you post it. Oh my god! Like, yeah. It's like quantum Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's like as you're posting it, the heart's already there. Like yeah. put the, and you're like, I need, yeah. it's not even done yet. I think yeah. he has a happens. tricky app or something because know. as soon as you post it, it's all number one. It's like Jake yeah. Blair liked your post. Like, yeah. Damn, Jake yeah. Blair. He's the first one. So thank you for listening, Katrina. But uh, you can give up on the contest. Keep listening. <laughs> but, but you're not going to beat Jake don't Blair. Don't even fucking try yeah. to beat Jake Blair. Unless yeah. you're some kind of fucking Android or something. Yeah. And, there, and there are Twitter keepers, too, that make sure that you don't surpass them on Twitter likes and stuff, too. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's dangerous. You can try. I guess you can try. We'll start a little war. Yeah. Go ahead and try. Katrina. Give it a shot. We'll see. I want to see what happens. Yeah, because yeah, I don't really know how Jake's doing it that quick anyway. So right. maybe, yeah, maybe she knows something that yeah. Jake doesn't know. Yeah. So there's a shout out. So um, thank you to El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Um, you can log into the website, um, elyucateco.com. Um, they have a, like a gear store where you can buy products. You can save 10% if you use code SOFAKING. Um, same thing for printdirtcheap.com. You can also save 10% on there if you use code SOFAKING. Uh, thank you to Digital Creations for our swag. Brad is doing something really weird with the, the cable. What are you doing? He's going to get it to stand up. I'm going to make stand up. You guys are making, what the hell is going on right now? I'm already like, what the hell is going on right now? Um, so thank you to us. Uh, Salt 7 Float Center. Um, thank you to uh, Dark Side Graphics with an X for our t-shirts and koozies. Um, and thank you to Dan Camarillo. Um, you can log on to armhunter.com for Arm Hunter apparel and geese um, and DVDs and instructional stuff like that. And if you're in Bakersfield, come try to choke me. Someone's going to do that shit and they're going to choke me. I'm not saying you can't choke me, but I'm saying come try to choke me. I might run. I just want to give a shout out to Brent. I have no idea how he focused through the sponsors while Brad was over here fondling a two foot length of black cable. It's because Brad's able to keep up. eye contact with me. He has that one eye that he can just like fucking, he cables with the one yeah, eye. Eyes. Or if you, if you say you get have a, a lazy Brad eye. Taylor award and he gets fucking pissed about his insult last week, he got the death stare with the fucking left eye and the right eye is still focused on business. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lazy eye that gets angry. Brad does not have a lazy eye. He's real handsome. So that's all I got for sponsors. All right. Is that it? You done? All right. Don't be retarded. Six million ways to die. Choose one.
on the skate, but I don't know where the fuck I'm headed. Up or down, right or left, life or death. I see myself in the midst of smoke. Death becomes any nigga that takes me for a joke. We hit a five dollar stick, now we putting it work. Unaccountable amounts of dirt. Death becomes all niggas, anybody killer. You know what the deal is, nigga, you know what the real is. I see is. some rock brand niggas on the corner flagging me down. Singing your dad, what's up with the pal? Is that nigga Snoop all right? Hey, yo, what's up with the crew? Is them niggas in jail or is the niggas through? I said, if you ain't up on things, Snoop Dogg is the name, dog pound the gang. It's like this, they don't understand. It's an everyday thing to gangbang. Make that switch, don't be a bitch, let these niggas know. What's up with you? I represent the pound of death row. And can't no other motherfucker in LA alone beat your cop in the YTDOGs. Nah, you can't come and you can't run and you can't see long to the G's of the game. One gun is all that we need to put you to rest. Put two slugs dead in your chest. Now you dead, then the motherfucker creeping and sleeping six feet deep and fucking with the pound. It's suicide, it's a suicide. Becomes black and the sky becomes blue. Now you in the midst of the dog pound crew. Ain't no clue on why the fuck we do what we do. Leave you in the state of paranoia. Ooh, don't make a move for your gat so soon. Cause I drops bombs like platoon. Walk with me, hold my hand and let me lead you. I take you on a journey and I promise I won't leave you. Until you get the full comprehension. And when you do, that's when the mission or survival becomes your every thought. Keep your eyes open, cause you don't wanna be caught. Half stepping with your weapon on safety. Now break yourself, motherfucker, for you make me take this to 11 to another level. I come up with your wins, you go down with the devil. Now roam through the depths of hell, where the rest of your bust ass homeboys dwell. Well, suicide is a suicide. Suicide is a suicide. Suicide is a suicide. Now tell me, what's my motherfucking name? Deep like the minds of Minota. Now picture this. Let's picnic inside a moor. Not picnic baskets, picnic caskets. And I got the machine, I crack the fucking chest plate open to release them guts. Then I release them cuts. Brutal, jagged, that's totally rat neck. Now everybody scream, no respect to the ex. No respect given, disrespect, and you will not be living. Words of mama, Emma, drama, dilemma. Suicide is a suicide. Suicide is a suicide. Suicide is a suicide. Now tell me, what's my motherfucking name? Serial killer. 